Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a little bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Origination. You can find great Longhorn coverage at burntorigination.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I am joined with my good friend, the illest, the realest, Mr. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how you doing? Fantastic, man. Uh, just out here living in these streets. Um no football this week, you know? That's that's a weird one. Did anything happen outside of Texas? Because if there's not a Texas game, I didn't see any any other football happen. Uh some some school from north of the Red River played, some schools in the southeast played, and eh, some stuff happened. I don't know. But you know who the big winner was? Roll Tide. <laughs> oh my gosh, the selection committee continues to get it. Incorrect. So we've got a big show today. We're going to talk a little bit about the bowl. We're going to leave a full preview for the next couple of weeks. So we have some stuff to talk about. Uh, I'll talk quickly about conference awards and some more attrition players announcing they're leaving for the professionals. And then special treat. We have got former Texas player Nick Zajek also happened to be Kyle's roommate for a couple of years. So I uh, got a little bit of an in there, but he'll be coming, breaking down what's going on with the offense. He's not just a former Texas player. He is a state championship winning uh, offensive coordinator and offensive line coach in the Texas high school football realm. And then we'll do a little bit of non-revenue generating sports, but they're still important to us. Dang it. And then we'll close it with some bang the drum. So Kyle bowl selections. OU yeah. got selected to the playoffs, so everybody shifted up one bowl. So Texas announced to go to the Texas Bowl in Houston, Texas, playing the Missouri Tigers, former conference mate. What's your initial reaction to this game? Again, we'll do a full breakdown here in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm excited was my initial reaction. I, selfishly, I, I live in Houston, Texas, and so uh, this is a home game for me. Um Unfortunately, I've been to one other Texas Bowl, which featured Texas, uh, and I think we averaged, you know, like point zero zero one yards per play, and that's only mildly exaggerating. I think we had less than 60 yards of offense, so um, that wasn't great, so we're looking to rectify some wrongs there, but nonetheless, anytime you get a, uh, a home game when you're not in Austin uh, is a cool thing, so I'm just excited to see the horns um, from an actual game perspective. Um, we'll talk about who's going to be there and who may not, and, uh, who we already know is not a little bit here, but, uh, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see the team that Texas puts out on the field. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that propels into the off season with recruiting. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, once we know the full scope of things, how the, uh, how the damage is and what this leads into the 2018 year um what we can build on and what uh what work we have to do i mean it may not be a big name bowl but the fact that it's played at nrg is pretty nice i mean it's going to be nice digs and again you know elijah rodriguez we saw uh, as of the time of recording is scheduled to suit up which will be nice to have uh a little bit more continuity especially with connor williams you know last week making the decision that he will skip the bowl game and wants to go play professional so let's just jump in there i know that's not the order we have it in the show notes but kyle just gonna have to flow with it so like we saw a week ago with you know chris warren deciding he was going to transfer connor williams declaring for the draft we got some more players announcing that they're going to be foregoing their senior year and even the bowl game to uh to prepare for the nfl so thorpe award finalist deshaun elliott declared first he's going to skip the bowl game uh, and then holton hill monday morning 
uh, announced through the school that he would be declaring he doesn't have the option to skip the bowl game because he is suspended. Uh, <laughs> so both of those guys have made their announcements public. You know, there are still a lot of guys left on the board that probably will make some sort of declaration. But let's start with Elliot and Holton Hill, Kyle. Do you think it's a good move for them to declare? And, you know, where where does that leave Texas for the bowl game? Um, well, it depends how you ask if it's a good decision to declare. I think uh, both of them are going to do fine. I think both are, can play on Sundays. I actually think Holton Hill uh, has, the, has the better upside. Um, I think um, Deshaun Elliott made the right career move. And ultimately, you know, secure your bag, son, like, do what's good for you. This is a business. You know, we like to think there's something more to it and, and players love Texas and come back to Texas and it'll always be a part of them. But you know, if you have a chance to get paid, I'm never going to be mad at a kid for doing it ever. Um, and I do think for Deshaun Elliott, he's probably not going to have a better time to go. I still don't know if he's going to project higher than like a fourth round, maybe a third round at best. Um, he looked golden on some plays he was in the right place made some spectacular plays some big hits um did some things but you know the tape also showed maybe some inconsistencies in a couple times where he's out of position and and maybe overplayed and and these are things you can coach out but the talent is clearly there he's not necessarily going to be a thorpe award finalist every year of his career um he had to do what he had to do and so i i i totally see that one um Holton Hill, again, I, I think you were the one who actually told me that there may be rumors he may not, or his suspension may have carried over into next year a little bit too. So, again, I understand a little bit if, if you know, he's making a decision like that and, and clearly someone must have talked to him, whispered in his ear. Um, the guy was one of the best cover corners in the country this year. Um, when he was on the field, he changed games and game plans. So both those guys, I think, made a good decision, you know, for them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Deshaun's stock is probably not going to get higher. Um, and I'm I'm of the belief that you can come back and get your degree and you, you don't really owe the university anything. That's really a, a probably a controversial opinion, our hot take of the day. Yeah. You don't really owe the university anything and they don't owe you anything. It, it is a it is a three year relationship that you have the option of a fourth year as a player. Um, and, you know, you got to go get paid. And I think it it from from a selfish standpoint, it helps with recruiting. If, if you see, hey, we had, you know, yep. Holton Hill, Deshaun Elliott, you know, we had these guys drafted in the first few rounds. You want to go play in the league? Cool. Come to Texas. Um, you know, Holton Hill turned himself, like you said, into a lockdown corner and lockdown corners are gold in the NFL, especially as it continues to shift to a passing league. You know, I, I'm an AFC East fan and that they're slinging the ball all over the yard. It's just like I'm watching big 12 football again. So it, it for me, it, Holton Hill made a smart decision, especially, you know, if he, if he doesn't like the culture Tom Herman's trying to create, if he doesn't want to be there, you know, you, you, you go get paid and I'm totally on board with that, you know, pride and, and, you know, university pride, as much as I have it, it's not going to pay the mortgage and it's not going to get your, get your family into a better financial situation. You know, a lot of these guys have to make a financial decision and I'm totally, totally on board with that. A, a guy whose name we haven't mentioned yet, who is continues to be kind of swirling around the NFL talk is, is Malik Jefferson, who is currently not practicing due to what is being uh, said to be turf toe <laughs> issues, but he, he is, Rumored to have already made the decision by certain people, but he even himself said on Twitter, I haven't made a decision yet. My family and I are still discussing it. So he is one of potentially five guys who's being evaluated by the College Advisory Committee to get a grade. So Kyle, 
When it comes to Malik, is he a guy that you see coming back next year? I remember the day when we got him the recruit and uh, it was Mary Maliksmas. You know, it, it felt like something, a time, a turning point for the program. Uh, and good on those guys. That class, you know, may not have had 10 wins, but you look at the talent level there with all these guys, you know, potentially going pro and, and continuing their career. So there was some talent there. It was a it was a moment for the program and he carried a lot of the uh, heart and soul for this team. And I think for that reason, people want to see him come back and, and play the bowl game and at least finish out this year. Uh, if somehow Todd Herman, uh, excuse me, Tom Herman, or his brother Todd, um, can convince Malik to come back for another season, uh, I mean, that's Malik's Navidad. That's uh, that's <laughs> truly the Christmas miracle. Um, I don't think it happens. I don't think it's I don't think it's smart for Malik, who was named co-defensive player of the year. Uh, to jump into your uh, your other section there. Um, but uh, the guy's stock is high. He is an incredible player. He finally this year lived up to the potential, um, got the national cred, was on a defense that was nationally ranked, um, looked like the best player on that unit. I mean, again, I don't know what it serves him to come back, except that he truly made a promise to a lot of these commits about what he was going to do if they, if they as he was kind of our de facto recruiter that offseason after he committed said, come with me, we're going to do something at Texas. And if he wants to see that vision through, he will go down forever as a Longhorn legend and people will love him more for it. But if he wants to uh, if he wants to go get his get his paycheck and maybe a team like the Dallas Cowboys are looking for him and he can start, you know, hometown hero part two, uh, go for it, man. Go, go do your thing, Malik, and come back. I like what you said about finishing your degree. I think it's great. I love it when players do that and you hear about it and when the university publicizes that. I don't know if you saw on Longhorn Network, I believe it was Ricky and Corey Redding. I both got their T-rings. And I mean, both of them like broke down. I think Perrin came in and gave it to them on set. And both of them like broke down crying. It meant a lot to them. And so, I mean, it's important. You never leave UT. You never leave the family. You go on, you do big things, but you come home, you know, and there's always a place for you here uh, no matter what. So I think as long as they all know that and they all live that, that. I support these guys either way. For sure. And you you said something about Malik. He's always seemed like the kind of guy who does whatever he wants. He's he's got that he's got a little bit of Ricky in him in that way. Yeah. Ricky was he's like, you know what, I, I'm I'm gonna do what I want mm-hmm. and and as much as Ricky goes down as Mac Brown's probably best recruiting move, if if Herman can can convince Malik to come back and again I think you have a uh, you have a snowball's chance to do that. If he does it again, it'll be the biggest recruiting win. I think for him, even with the fact that he's got nine of the top players in the world coming next year, it would be huge for him. So I think, yeah, Again, Malik has always been kind of a beat of my own drum kind of guy. So if he wants to come back, come on, son, do it. But oh yeah, I, I always tell people to evaluate it. If it, treat it like if it was your kid. If this was your child, what would you want them to do? And I every time, like I, I've been blessed and fortunate enough to have a son. And if he is you know, blessed enough to be that talented, go get paid. Come yep. back and get your degree. Get that ring. Football is a violent, unforgiving sport, mm-hmm. and it will take your. It could take your life from you if, in the worst of situations, but it can take your ability to walk, your ability to talk, your ability to to provide a, a living for your family. Yeah. So get get paid while you can. Football is short. Education is forever. So go get paid, come back, pay for that degree for a year. You could probably afford it if you're going to the league and then go from there. You know, don't, don't sell yourself short because somebody thinks you should. And that's, that's, that's the youth pastor in me coming out. We'll move on. Uh, We've got coming up next. It is our, our distinct pleasure to introduce a man who 
Needs no introduction, but we'll give it anyway. Uh, Mr. Nick Zychuk, Kyle, take it away. Okay, guys, now we have a special treat for you. Uh, it's my privilege to introduce our guest today. We have, uh, I'm sure you know of him as soon as I say the double nickel, uh, former UT uh, football great Nick Zychuk, uh, who was a Longhorn offensive lineman from 2008 to 2012. Uh, if not there, you've probably seen him roaming the sidelines at Texas football powerhouses. Uh, including Cameron, the yeoman who he uh, coached to the 2012-2013 state titles and a finalist in 2014, currently playing his trade as an offensive coordinator at Gregory Portland and a specialist in all things offense and especially offensive lines. Uh, Nick, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Hey guys, what's up? Not too much, Nick. Thank you so much for joining us. So the reason why we brought you on is uh, one, your boyish good looks that are perfectly played for a podcast. Uh, but, but we are also, so you have a unique perspective. Kyle and I, kind of our highest uh, athletic achievements was, uh, was a little bit of varsity ball occasionally, but you had the, the privilege of, of uh, playing at the University of Texas. And we wanted to talk specifically about your area of expertise, the offense and the offensive line. Uh, so you've gone back and watched some film. Uh, what would you say, just as you, as you analyze it from the coaching perspective, or even from a former player's perspective, like what would you say the biggest issue that you notice watching uh, the offense or, or even specifically the offensive line? I just feel like that it's the group has just not had enough time together as a cohesive unit, you know, uh, from game to game, it's not the same guys from how it was in the spring, because I was fortunate. um, I was at three, I was at three consecutive spring practices and, you know, I just, uh, the the lack of time together, it was a, I think may have been one of the biggest factors in them not, producing like they're capable of producing got it so you think the cohesion whether it was you know the injuries or kind of the the uh revolving door it seemed of offensive linemen in and out kind of kept everybody from catching a rhythm absolutely you know from you know Shackelford being hurt in the spring for I mean he missed about half the spring from you know obviously Connor Williams getting hurt you know, then Vahe getting hurt and then Shackleford getting hurt during the season. You know, it's just a constant, you know, you don't get the trust from player to player that you need as an offensive line where you, you're you going to trust the guy next to you to do exactly what needs to be done. You don't get the very close-knit, like the nonverbal communication, the verbal communication, like all the things that need to be done that make offensive lines great you miss out on that whenever it's always the guy next to you is different or the guy, the guy next to you doesn't have the same abilities as, as the guy that he's replacing or something like that. You can say it a little better. I mean, you and Gerald both, I guess I'm kind of a little in the middle here behind two, uh, two uh, offensive linemen's quarter ton of justice here. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I always played out wide by myself, kind of on an Island as a receiver. Truly how, how, how important is it, you know, say a guy goes down in the next place, someone comes in um, or or you start a game and you don't have your guy, maybe you've had a couple practices or whatever. I mean, can you give us an example? Is it a, is it a blitz pickup call? Is it a, you know, you're looking more out of the corner of your eye at the guy not knowing if he's going to, you know, slide? What, what Can you give us an example of what, what that chemistry looks like? I think uh, it, a lot of it's just an unsp- unspoken thing. Like, all right, you know, we're – comboing a defensive tackle up to a linebacker you know when do I as the guard need to 
come off that defensive tackle and go block the linebacker? Do, you know, is it something that's been repped so many times that we don't need to say yeah. something? Do I need to say something? You know, it's like trust is the word that I like to use with my players. And that's like what I think, but you know, it's not, it's not necessarily even that it's just, you know, when we're zoning up on this guy, is my hand placement going to be just slightly different? So I have to do something. Is So the guy that I'm comboing with, does it have to be slight? It's things that a person that hasn't played offensive line aren't going to have any idea of like, so like just a person that's listening to this podcast might just think these things that I'm saying are minor, like, Hey, anybody needs to be able to just hop in there, but it's not like that. Yeah. I've always, I've always heard coaches talk about the glue guys who can play multiple positions, but that's gotta be pretty rare. And we had to do a lot of sliding this year where you're a left tackle one game, you're playing, you know, right tackle the next game next to three different guards in that span. Yeah. That, that seems to me like it's got to be the hardest thing to do. Oh yes, that 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 is very difficult, especially if you're flipping sides from right to left. You know, every you know you're uh, you, you always blah, 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 like to say you know it's the same as uh, so playing right tackle is the same as left tackle. It's just everything's the opposite. Every play's the opposite, and you know that's a lot easier said than done. It's particularly difficult in pass protection because your pass sets have to be completely opposite. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a pretty skilled player to be able to uh, seamlessly play both sides. Is that one of the biggest kind of misunderstandings that the casual, you know, armchair observer, somebody who's never strapped it on and played in the trenches has is that, Hey, you should be able to slide at any spot in the O-line. I, th- I mean, I think the biggest misunderstanding is just something that appears to be, you know, say like the guard's fault. It might not be, and it's hard even for me as a person that has an idea of what offensive linemen are supposed to do to sit here and say, hey, this guy made a mistake and it's this guy's fault because I don't know what Coach Borham's teaching them. I don't know what the play call is. I don't know what this guy's assignment is. I I personally feel like assigning an error to someone that's not just clearly like it's a pass block, I'm blocking this guy, and then he gets by me Mm. is very, very difficult. Like I've – I feel like I've been on a – I hate people like, you know, that grade – offensive linemen even at the professional level you know like the pro football focus guys all that type of stuff because you don't know all those parameters Mm. you know you don't you don't know the play you don't know the technique you don't know I mean you can have a general idea but to trust that Mm. is not a wise decision I think so if you're not in the film room it's probably not uh probably not smart to to think you know what the heck is happening up front well on this podcast we uh we make no qualms about the fact that we we don't know everything. Well, Gerald does. I I know everything. Um, I could I could definitely grade it, but Gerald's more more humble. Um, you sound like you you kind of touched on a couple of things there that I think think are interesting. What your eye maybe picks up again as a, as a coach who who has a particular scheme or as a player who played maybe a, a different scheme at Texas. But when you look at the offense this year and Coach Wareheim's. Um, schemes or or Beck's kind of offensive schemes were there anything that that jumped out at you you know I mean the schemes aren't anything you know world breaking you know like I'm we're not looking at like 2009 Oregon or something like I mean these are very typical spread schemes I mean not to say that they're bad or anything like that or you can't be successful I mean this isn't a complicated we're, we're not running Auburn's offense which is 
combining together the wing T and the spread or anything. We're running pretty much a standard college spread. And, you know, something that I noticed in the spring, because I was, I was, I got to be in Texas's film library, which was awesome. If you ever get to do that, I highly recommend it. And I've watched a lot of Houston film from the last two years and something that this Houston offense, which which is what I feel like we're trying to do, is they rely on having a pretty damn good tight end. And that's something we've obviously struggled with. And that's, you know, the loss of Andrew Beck in August. And, you know, and then Cade Brewer started to come along and then he got hurt. And, you know, it's just been a revolving door at tight end just as much as it's been a revolving door at offensive line. And I feel like that has hurt what Coach Beck and Coach Herman have been trying to do offensively. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – it's tough to come come through with that, and and it leads to a lot of times the the revolving door. And and this podcast, again, is a proprietor of the the curse of Jermichael Finley. Um, He he leaving for the NFL has basically screwed that position for – uh, for the Longhorns, unfortunately, we can't seem to catch a break every time. You go back to Irby and just all these guys, um, yeah. just just you know, bad luck all across. But uh, what that does lead to, and in both positions, this was the case. You had freshmen getting a lot of playing time. Um, you're coaching high school kids now. What is the jump like from even very very good high school football to Division One college football? It's big, particularly at the offensive line. I mean, I was. I mean, I, in fact, I had a player. Asked me about this on uh, today. In fact, you know, he wants to go play in college, and he's like, you know, what's the difference between high school and college? Well, I told him uh, college practice speed is about three times as fast as high school game speed. And I mean, oh. it's yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's nuts. I mean, like I remember my first practice at Texas. I got, I mean, I just I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go block this guy. I'm gonna go zone up this guy and block him. And I got actually flipped over. <laughs> you know, like I mean, it's it's not. It's it's much harder than you would think. I mean, if you're a really skilled player at corner maybe or at receiver, I think you can come in there and make some I mean, you can play quick. That it's hard, very hard at offensive line. Like it's very difficult. And you know, I think it's almost hard to explain just because the speed's so different. It's like, you know, to give an example of you know, that I think more people could relate to. It's like the difference between eighth grade football and varsity football. Mm. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a big difference and that's hard. I mean, that's hard for freshmen. Meow indeed. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I'm trying. <laughs> no, you're perfect, man. That was great. It was perfectly timed to your cat. Has a sense was, of timing. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's close with this, Nick, because you've you've given us some really good stuff. Like my, I, I'm I'm still processing through it. But what advice, you know, as a as a former player, as a as a coach now, and as a fan, like what advice would you give other fans as they try to watch Texas over the next few years? This is something. It's a group that's. I mean, they all. I mean, the offense really has no choice but to get better because they've been so bad. I mean, it's going to be hard for them to be worse, but they're going to get better. They're going to get better because it's going to finally going to be probably the same offensive line coach. But there's been three 
offensive line coaches in the last couple of years. There's been Wickline, there's been Maddox, there's been Warheim. You know, it's all those things they have to that they have to learn that are different whenever there's a a different coach. Mm. And whenever the and whenever we can get some continuity and the offensive staff, they can finally start to progress in the offense and start to learn it at a better level. You know, and I, I I'm definitely gonna look for a lot of improvement improvement in the next year especially once the quarterbacks start to get more comfortable in the offense uh once we can recruit some tight ends once the running back position returns to the university of texas you know it's something we've been i mean i'm pretty confident we just eliminated the position at some point you know uh (laughs) well i mean you you said it you're looking for improvement uh give us give us your your hot take, um, you know, what, what should, what are, what are you thinking? What's the off season coming into next year? We'll end on this. What's your, what's your take for the 2018 Texas Longhorns? I'm going to be probably pretty disappointed if we're, you know, a less than nine win team, you know, honestly, if we, we won nine, I'd probably be disappointed. I mean, if we don't make big steps. I, I just feel like we're doing something wrong. And I feel like we are going to make these big steps. You know, you know, a- after the Tech game, everybody on Twitter was doom and gloom. It was like, oh, yeah, we we got clear P, but we can't get a first down, you know, all that, all that type of stuff. And <laughs> fan, I saw that. And I was like, yeah, this sucks. You know, we have that, but we don't produce. But on the long term, those things matter. You know, being hydrated matters. Doing this matters. Every if you create a program where everything matters, then winning is going to follow because winning matters. That's good. I want to put that on a T-shirt. Let's. That is a that is a Longhorn Republic exclusive. <laughs> We're going to put that on a T-shirt. Nick, nice. you'll get some proceeds from it. I stinking love that. Nick, thank you so much for taking some time out, take time away from your family. From yeah. the cats, clearly they're missing you, uh, Nick. Thank you so much. You you are officially a friend of the show now, which means we're going to bug you anytime we want. Somebody who actually knows what the heck they're talking about to jump on this podcast. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. So moving from there, we're going to do just a little bit more football talk. Uh, We got the conference awards that came out uh, just a few days ago, and Texas surprisingly had some names on that list in spite of being the seventh best team in the conference. So no surprise, we talked about him already. Uh, Malik was named the co-defensive player of the year. Uh, our man, friend of the podcast. I don't know why he's a friend of the podcast. We're a friend of his. Uh, Puna Ford named defensive lineman of the year. And then the punter himself was named the special teams player of the year. So, Kyle, we talked about guys going pro. We talked about guys having player of the year honors. How, what does that do for you as a Texas fan in light of how this season has turned out? It's a little something, I guess. Um, I mean, it clearly shows the Big 12 uh, powers that be and deciders, whoever they they are, uh, listen to this podcast. Because I think the yep. uh, the three we have most heralded on here were the the punter from Down Under, uh, Dixon, um, <laughs> patent pending. Uh, who was absolutely phenomenal, spectacular, special, however you want to put it. Like, I I don't think people watch and give enough credit for what that guy did this year. Um, He is going to be one of the top five players in the NFL next year at his position, I'm sure. And he could go on to, you know, we we happen to have one of those guys, by the way, in the NFL, Justin Tucker, who may go on to be the best kicker in the history of the NFL if he continues at this trajectory. He may be our most successful Longhorn alumni. So good for him. I hope Dixon goes and gives him a, 
a run for his money if he chooses to ride this wave uh, on the way out as well. And Puna, our friend, your man, uh, we spent enough time talking to him that, I mean, we might as well add him on Facebook and just see what happens. You never know. I mean, just just to see what happens. But uh, give it a shot. <laughs> but love that dude so well deserved. And again, we we talked about Malik and everything he's done and meant to this team and and um, just really earned it this year. I mean, he tore through the field, looked like the fastest player, looked like the toughest player, was downhill, was making tackles, making plays, chasing down quarterbacks. He did it all on a defense that at times when they were really on was one of the best in the country. So uh, congratulations to all those guys. And as a fan, um, it's a little something. It's a little momentum to build on. Um, it's it's a little it's a little bit worrying that you think about the talent. This just is a reminder, just as the players leaving the talent that's on this team, and if that only translates to to six, maybe at most seven wins this season. But uh, maybe it's also momentum recruiting, just carrying into the next year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to think of it positively that this is all all good stuff and omens for the goodness to come. Optimism from the Longhorn Republic, something that is in short supply as of late. So let's do a quick shift and we'll run through the uh, the other sports on the 40 acres. You know, we're not a Texas football podcast. We're a Texas sports podcast. So volleyball, Texas is a volleyball school. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Texas is a volleyball swimming and diving school. So they swept North Carolina State. In the NCAA tournament last week, get some ladies. And so now they're moving into the regional semifinals this coming weekend in Palo Alto. They're going to take, again, the first game is going to be Utah. And then if they can top the Utes, they will take on the winner of Stanford, Wisconsin. So Kyle, you and I, both volleyball fans. Yes. So what what are your feelings going into to this Saturday's uh, match? I really like this team. I've liked a lot of teams and we we were, it's hard not to be there at a good volleyball time, but we were there at a good time and and. Saw some really, truly like legendary players who played professionally in the Olympics and all that and were really great. Um, this team has some great ones. Um, I personally love Lexi Sun, but uh, she just has great upside um, as a freshman. But uh, this team is going to go in and play potentially Stanford, uh, the number three overall seed in the tournament at home in Palo Alto, which is tough. Stanford, one of the best volleyball schools. Then they would have to, if they win that, uh, most likely, if uh, all the seedings and everything as it looks right now play out, they would have to play the number two seed um, in Florida in the, the next round to get to the championship against, again, if everything shakes out, a number one seed, uh, Penn State, which is a ridiculously brutal schedule to get there. Um, but as good as this team looks, I don't see why they can't do it. Let's take it, ladies. So we'll quickly, men's basketball picked up a win. They're keeping their winning ways going. They beat Florida A&M. So they're playing Shaka Smart's old school VCU uh, on Tuesday. That's going to be a good matchup. Shaka said he doesn't really know anything about them other than the guys that they have recruited and what he saw on film. And then women's basketball. Maybe just Texas is a women's sports school. Let's just go with that. <laughs> women's basketball, volleyball. So the second-ranked team in the nation, they absolutely blasted Georgia. SEC is a basketball conference. Uh, they beat Georgia 81-53. to They are lined up to play what would be murderers wrote in any sport, really. But they've got number 13, Florida State, number 11, West Virginia, and then we've got UConn. In addition to Tennessee on – so basically the Blue Bloods of women's college basketball. Yeah. Exciting to watch. I think most of those games are on uh, Longhorn Network, so I'm going to settle in and watch some of that. Kyle, you excited? Oh, yeah, man. you got to mark your calendar. I mean, number one versus number two in any sport at any time is awesome, uh, but it'll be the 15th of 
uh, January is going to be UConn versus UT. Um, and anytime you can watch UConn basketball is is great. But when you can see your team as the team to hopefully knock them off their perch, uh, that's going to be a good one. It's circled on my calendar. I love seeing Gino lose. It doesn't happen very often, but it's one of the most satisfying things in, in sports for me. So let's close it out quickly and honor our favorite tradition in Texas sports. Big Bertha, let's bang the drum. Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Today is the 4th of December. That seems crazy to say, but it is actually the 4th of December in the year of our Lord, 2017. And exactly 20 years ago today, on the same December 4th of 1997, uh, DeLos Dodds made the very wise decision to bring one uh, Mac Brown to the 40 Acres as the head coach, um, which was it turned out to be an incredibly uh, shrewd decision. Um, coming into that moment, Texas had just fired a coach. They'd gone 74 uh, 52 and two for a 56 win percentage in the 11 years leading up to it, which we thought was the absolute darkest times. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll show them. Um, but uh, <laughs> Max record at UT was an incredible 158 and 47, about nine, I think it was nine wins short of DKR. Um, you know, you almost wonder if Mac would have wanted that uh, to stick around and get that, or he likes, you know, letting DKR go out on top. They were good friends, but a 77% win percentage and uh, Texas since, uh, Mac with Charlie Strong and uh, now Tom Herman uh, is 22 and 27, which is 45%. So um, a lot has changed in 20 years, but it's almost kind of a little bit at the precipice of something uh, cyclical, I think, um, because we have a young coach with, with uh, a lot of direction on where he wants the program to go and a lot of ideas. And hopefully we'll be talking about um, when they hired uh, Tom Herman and how everything changed yet again. So speaking of the precipice, that brings me to my bang the drum. So let's travel all the way back to 1946 when Texas last played Missouri in a bowl game. They played the Tigers in the 1946 Cotton Bowl. It's the only bowl meeting between the two. Texas beat Missouri 40 to 27, which propelled them to a preseason number one AP ranking the following year, they lost a couple of games and finished number 15, which is still at this point, I'll take an, a 15 in the AP I'll ranking. It. I'll take a number. Yeah. I, I I would be dancing in the streets at 15. So that is, that's some history there. And, and again, it, it, maybe it's optimistic fan, but I think there is a lot of momentum. If Texas can come out and play well and beat an SEC team, even a mid tier SEC team going into, you know, the, the heat of recruiting season, uh, I think it'll do a lot to, to bolster the numbers as Texas seems to be on the cusp of having a mass exodus. So I think a big win over Missouri in a bowl game in front of, you know, we've got a lot of players from Houston. So I think in front of a hometown crowd for a lot of these guys, getting to take it back home uh, for some of them one last time for some of them for the very first time, Mm -hmm. uh, it would be a big, it'd be a big deal for Texas going in to a, uh, to an off season where seven and six means a whole lot more than six and seven. So thank you so much for listening in again this week. It would mean a lot to us if you left us a rating or review on iTunes, wherever you found this podcast. Share it with your friends. Share it with your coworkers. Somebody you know loves Texas Longhorns sports. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on the Twitter.com. That's www.twitter.com uh, backslash Kyle Carpenter. Or you can just use the at sign at Kyle Carpenter. Find me at Barking Carnival with the Texas pregamer. We have one more bowl pregamer coming out. Um, and then Twitter is the best place to find me the rest of the year. And he's also pounding the rock for the San Antonio Spurs. So check that 
out. You can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodwood. You can follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening in again this week. Subscribe wherever you found it, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And until next time, guys, hook them. Hook them.